I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. After a couple of weeks off for the holidays, we're excited to have Nate Coleman back in his weekly spot. Nate, how are you? Doug, thanks for having me back on. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great here. We had a my uh, my sister-in-law and her husband came down. My mother-in-law came down. So just a couple of us, uh, my two nieces with them. So it was nice. How about yourself? Man, it was great. I got uh, two Thanksgivings. So I went to the in-laws and went to the parents. So I got double as much turkey and stuffing and all that other good stuff. So I can't complain. Uh, now, are you uh, a, a white meat man, a dark meat man? You stay away and go to the ham? What, what, what do you got on your plate on Thanksgiving? Oh, man, it's a great question. So, th- so the prime rib is what my parents do at their house. They kind of nice. go. Yeah, so, so I had prime rib over there, and then I got the traditional Thanksgiving when I went to my in-laws. So I got the full gambit. Um, I need to go on a diet now, but it's all good. I'll work it out. Now, you are out in Missouri, is that right? So is it starting to get cold there? Yep, yep, it's getting chilly. It's down in the 40s, so uh, it's always windy here. So uh, the weather can change on a dime. So it's, it's the Midwest, so you get used to it after a while. All right, well, we're here to talk about the game. I'm not sure I can recall the last time that Washington put together – a game that complete. I mean, really, I've been racking my brain 41-16, and it's odd to say, but that score doesn't even really put into perspective what kind of one-sided beatdown that was on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, there are a few opportunities opportunities we had to score. Um, Dallas just – they completely fell apart, and it really was a microcosm of how their season has gone so far. But – uh, it's it's nice because w- w- as a Washington fan, you're always talking about, oh, if we could just put all three phases of the game together, we, we could win. And it finally seemed like we saw that um, on Thursday, and it was Yep, there's no doubt about it. I was uh, thoroughly impressed. And while it, it's fair to recognize that the Cowboys are having a down year, that defensive line is – still very good for that Cowboys team. That linebacking group is very good for that team. So the way that the Washington football team just moved up and down the field, the the running that they were able to get in that game, just amazing for, for a line that, you know, a Washington line that is not hitting at all cylinders as far as starters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, since week eight, Washington is actually ranked second in EPA per rush attempt. Um, now, I know EPA, it's like, what is that? It's expected points added. It's basically a football statistic that measures the value of individual plays in terms of points. And uh, it's basically calculated off of down and distance and field position. But anyway, yeah, they've done a terrific job running the ball. And a lot of that has to do with a run blocking and men in the box um, because they spread out the ball so much. They usually don't have to face a stacked box and fast guys like Gibson and McKissick are able to take advantage of that. Now you and I, as early as what would have been the preseason 
had been talking about a fast-paced, up-tempo, spread-you-out offense, sort of this new age era of offense. That, that's not how we started out. And I know as fans, we started getting a little wary of the play calling. Uh, credit to Scott, though. They've been on a heater the last couple of games, and he's looked good. Yeah, I think Scott Turner is starting to get a rhythm. Uh, the big thing with him is you couldn't really see his handprint on most of the games offensively because they're constantly playing from behind. And when you're playing from behind, you don't really get to use the running game as much as you want. You have to throw a lot um, and it kind of just compounds things. But with, with Turner, it's a lot of motion. It's a lot of up-tempo, a lot of play action on early downs, a lot of even trick plays on early downs. You saw, you saw a lot of that in the Thanksgiving game, which, which I couldn't be more thrilled about. You saw it's back-to-back games now. You saw that Logan Thomas throw, and the game before that against the Bengals, he had that awesome quarterback sneak, and of course the fumble ruski from last week as well. So it's it's been fun to watch for Turner, but I think he's starting to get into a rhythm as a play caller, um, and they've also been able to be a little more balanced in terms of, in terms of run versus pass. And I don't think balance is necessarily that important as long as you can do one or the other well. And uh, right now it's running the ball that they've been. The past game, the past game has kind of been very slow and methodical, but, but it's getting the job done. And a lot of that is due to third down conversions. Yeah. I think you were telling me uh, before we recorded today that they are since week six, I guess, which is about the Alex takes over. They are second in the league now in third down percentage. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Second in the in the league, I think the only team above them is the the Chiefs. Um, but a lot of that is you get you get into third and manageable. Um, earlier in the year, they just they struggled to convert on third down, but they were in third and manageable. It's just Dwayne Haskins was really inaccurate and he wasn't reading the whole field. And then once they got honestly, Kyle Allen has been was even better than Alex Smith as far as conversions go. He had a higher success rate and completion percentage and EPA per attempt. But uh, both him and Smith, they just seem to have like a better grasp of the offense. Um, And they're relying more on players to just make plays instead of, you know, trying to do too much on their own. And you're starting to see that a lot more. Um, But the the big issue is like methodical drives are, are great. Um, but you you can't rely on that all the time because it's harder to score that way. You have to have you have to have explosive plays in order to be competitive in this league. Um, and the reason we don't really do that is because we our skill position group is probably a bottom five unit. Um, but they have gotten better with explosive plays. Um, they went from they went all the way from like thirtieth in uh, explosive plays on offense in the first four weeks to fourteenth since uh, Dwayne Haskins was and uh, they went from 20th giving up explosive plays all the way down to third. So there's really been a transformation since Dwayne Haskins got benched, whether that's the reason or not. Yeah. It's interesting because when asked at the time about the Haskins benching and the playbook opening up, Scott Turner shrugged that off and said, no, that's really, that that's not going to be the plan, but, I mean, I'd suggest that the proof is in the pudding, as they say. It's obvious that the that the playbook has opened up. And, and that doesn't even mean necessarily more creative, but you can see that with two running backs on the field at the same time, 
call it a shutdown if you want to. Uh, but they, it, the offense has looked much more impressive with what they're doing now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think a lot of times with coaches, fans in general, they get really enamored with coach speak. And even like these highlight videos you see of players during the offseason, um, the really thing that only matters to me, I guess, when I evaluate the positions is I look at what happens on the field and what happens transactionally. You know, if they if they talk up a player, but then they don't draft them or they don't sign the free agent, that 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 really tells me what they're about. Um, so with Turner, I think he was just trying to protect his guy, kind of like what Ron Rivera does, which is totally fine. Um, but uh, yeah, one big thing is they've been using more 21 personnel um, since they benched Dwayne. They've used a lot more 21, almost as their base offense. Uh, and the reason they're doing that is it plays to their strength based off of personnel because they have two running backs who can catch passes and run the ball effectively. Um, but they have their highest out of any of their personnel packages, you know, 11, 12, 13, whatever. Um, they they pass. They have the highest yards per attempt, the highest completion percentage, the highest quarterback rating. And and uh, they they have the highest success rate throwing and running out of one. Um, and it's because it for, it's basically using 21, which is two running backs and a tight end. It's like a pseudo play action uh, set, basically, because you're running, you're lining up as a. It's basically a run heavy uh, personnel package, so the defense is playing in uh, base defense a lot of the times. And then when you throw off of that, it, it's hard for them to match up with linebackers and safeties trying to cover McKissick out of the backfield or Gibson. Uh, call me crazy, but if I put all my chips into one pile. I would guess that the quarterback room looks the exact same next year that it does this year because you mentioned it briefly early, but statistically Kyle Allen was playing even better than Smith is right now. Do you think I'm crazy when I say the quarterback room will be the same next year? I think it depends on what happens the rest of the season. Um, but I, I, yeah, I do think they're pretty happy. They feel comfortable with Kyle Allen as a backup and they feel comfortable with Alex Smith as a bridge quarterback. And with Haskins, I don't think they've shut the door on him completely. Uh, but if they lose out or, you know, they don't make the playoffs, which right now we're looking at about a 30% chance of them making the playoffs. Um, but if they miss out, I think they're seriously going to look at quarterback, but th this draft could have five quarterbacks going the first round. That's what it's looking like, four or five. So even if they pick later, they're still going to have a chance to go after a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Um, but but it, a lot is really going to depend on, on what happens the rest of the way. But, yeah, I mean, Kyle Allen, even as a backup quarterback, this year he ranked first in the league in completion percentage during his time. He ranked 15th in success rate, and he had the sixth highest EPA plus CPOE composite score which is I feel like that's the best way to measure a quarterback because it's predictive you get EPA and and uh it's completion percentage over expectation they're two of the most predictive metrics for quarterback play year to year um and when I look at quarterbacks in the draft that's like the number one stat I'll use but yeah I mean Kyle Allen has been excellent I know neither of them are very excited exciting like as prospects or anything but I mean Rivera just wants to make the playoffs right now. I think. 
Yes, and also it'll go a long way if Smith can lead them to the playoffs, even in a down right. year. Right, and also I think it's interesting. I was talking about this on Monday show that we're starting to realize that when Ron tells us something, he's usually being fairly honest, and he said repeatedly that Haskins. They have not given up on him, and they think he's got an NFL-caliber arm. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, his trade value is at nothing, so there's no point in trading him for nothing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if yep. he saw him next year and he was a much – he needed work. He just had such limited experience at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing all of the things that he struggled with in college sort of manifest in the NFL. And that's common with all prospects. Like you look at Drew Locke, they always talked about him being very erratic as a passer. And sure enough, when you get into the league, it's amplified. And Dwayne Haskins is really the same way. He's a good short to intermediate passer, but he struggles with pressure. He struggles maneuvering in the pocket and pocket awareness. And that's something that comes with time. Um, but I have no idea if he's the, the future of this franchise. I kind of doubt it, even with what Rama Rivera is saying. I think they're seeing that the league is really changing to, to uh, quarterbacks who can create on their own and create plays out of nothing. That's another skill that's very transferable out of college. Um, you can look at all of the recent quarterback prospects and the ones who are able to do that in college. It really manifests itself next year in the pros. Like, Kyler Murray, for example, or Josh Allen. Um, so I kind of think they're looking that direction in the draft. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the draft that, that can really do that, that will be available when they're picking. Um, but you never know with Haskins. Uh, a lot of these guys, they get another shot somewhere down the road. Maybe he can build up his trade value and we can trade him in another year or two. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. I just, I think to myself, boy, how wonderful would it be if we could spend a full off season free agency in the draft doing nothing but actually filling out this roster instead of having to go QB real high. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a huge convenience to know you have the quarterback quarterback position locked down, but I mean, it's just, if you look at his body of work so far, it's been, it's been so terrible that you don't see a lot of early quarterbacks at such a young age struggle this much and turn it around. Um, it does happen from time to time. There's guys like Ryan Tannehill who have done it, but there's far, far more examples of guys who have just fallen flat on their faces. And if he wants to stick around in the league, he's going to have to have a massive jump in year three. And I, I don't think the team is going to have the patience to just wait all day for him. You mentioned Tannehill, which makes me think of the Jets. If they clean shop, Sam Darnold, somebody you're interested in? No, probably not, because if they were going to trade for him, they're probably going to spend more than what he's worth. And he's looking at an extension soon. So and that's going to you don't want to be the key really to winning is try to get in that window of the rookie contract and, you know, try to find one of those young gun signal callers that you can win with before you have to sign them to an extension. So I'm not really interested in Darnold. He's he's fine. I mean, he's he's in the worst situation he could possibly be in. And he could be another guy that turns it around for you. But for every Sam Darnold or, or Ryan Tannehill, there are a thousand other examples of high pedigree quarterbacks who 
go to a different team and, and don't turn it around. I mean, it's historically accurate that it rarely happens and you almost have to go into the perfect situation. And right now we don't have a perfect situation. You hear a lot of fans talking about like, Oh, I can't wait till we sign Allen Robinson or Juju Smith-Schuster or another premier uh, wide receiver. But a part of that is like these guys don't want to play for bad teams or perceived bad teams. A lot of them want to win. I mean, like Allen Robinson has already gotten a big contract. He wants to go to a team that can take him to the Super Bowl. He'll he'll take less money to go somewhere good. So, I mean, we, we have to temper our expectations. The best way to really build is through the draft because free agency is a crapshoot and the draft is an inexact science as well. Does Antonio Gibson have a realistic shot at rookie of the year? No, I don't think so. Um, the running back position in, in general is is totally devalued. So it's all about the quarterback, and I'd be hard-pressed to not see Justin Herbert win it. But, I mean, there are so many terrific rookies. It seems like every year the rookie class just gets better and better. Um, but I, I don't even think he's been the best rookie running back. James Robinson is undrafted and is having a better season than he is. But that's not to say that Antonio Gibson isn't awesome and we shouldn't be excited about him. But I don't, I don't, I don't think he's even in the running. I'm sure he's, like, in the top ten or something like that, but – you got to think like Justin Herbert, uh, even, uh, I don't know, Burrow, I guess, is down at this point. But you still got excellent wide receivers like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, even C.D. Lamb. I mean, there's so many good rookie receivers and, and Justin Herbert. So I'd be surprised if Gibson is really even considered. Tell the people exactly how incredible the switch that Morgan Moses has made from right tackle to left tackle is. Yeah, I think it's. When you switch from tackle on the other side to one side, you're completely changing your your stance and and the leg you pivot off of is different. And that's incredibly challenging. Uh, and then also you're not seeing reps like that in practice ever. You're on the right side the entire time. So you're so much more used to playing with the same person on your left side versus switching on the other side. And usually you're going against the other team's best pass rusher a lot of times. So it's a difficult transition. And Morgan Moses, like it, looked at any of the narratives surrounding him coming into this season everyone was really down on him it was like an echo chamber everyone was saying the same thing like man this is his year to make it or break it or he's done um but sometimes players just uh commit themselves to their body and their craft during the offseason that's kind of what happened with Moses but I also think the scheme is a lot more friendly to him um we get rid of the ball a lot faster and he seems to just I don't know it's something it seems like when the team plays better as a whole have his best years because in 2018 when he had a really strong season it was kind of the same no it's 2017 I'm sorry that was like his strongest season and that season was when we actually like were decent and it's like if we have a down year he kind of just he goes with the tide um but but I've been he's probably been our second best lineman to me I mean he's been he's been pretty awesome that would mean that Sheriff you think has been the best offensive lineman uh, yeah, Sh- Sheriff's been good. I-, I think I think our center Chase Chase has been awesome. Um, if you look at any of the advanced metrics for offensive linemen, really has just been tearing it up. Yeah, he doesn't give up any sacks. He doesn't commit any penalties. He's consistent. He's gotten better at pre-snap reads, um, and he's a free agent in 2021. So I I'm hoping to God that that's like their priority that they can re-sign him to an extension. Um, but he's he's been tremendous, and he's kind of an unsung hero. But you're starting to see a lot more of the, like, PFF and 
uh, Brandon Thorne and a lot of the offensive line gurus out there talking a lot more about Rulier as one of the you know premier top 10 centers, which is a great accomplishment for this draft class that they had. Yeah, I've been saying for uh, a little while now, it's it's time to get Rulier and Tim Settle signed to extensions immediately. Yeah, yeah, Tim Settle's another one. I mean, he's number one in the league in sack rate. He has he has more sacks than I think it was Sue JJ Watt and Frank Clark, and he's played three times as less snaps than they have. Um, it's just amazing what he's been, been able to do as a fifth round pick. He's someone you want to sign him to extension now because the market's going to keep changing. And we kind of did the same thing with Matt Ioannidis. We bought we bought high on him at the time by signing him to extension, but now that deal looks like a bargain. And I think Tim Settles in the same court. I mean, it's been a long time since we had a position on this team where we actually feel comfortable with the depth we have. Uh, you're absolutely right about the uh, comparison to Ioannidis. And when Ioannidis comes back next year, the line will be even deeper. I'd suggest because of those two guys, there's no need to pay big money to both Allen and Payne. Do you agree with that? And if so, who do you move on from? Yeah, I think Payne has been the least effective of of Allen and Ioannidis and even Settle. Uh, but he's good, too. Um I think they just have to wait and see what the market is like, but you can't, you can't give one of them a big contract like that. If you're going to resign settle. So really settle is going to be the one that kind of decides the rest of it. But interior defensive lineman is not like a usually, usually it's not a high priority position compared to like edge rusher or cornerback. Um, But, but it's good to have depth. And, and I think, uh, I think it's a perfect scheme fit for all of the players they have. Like they all have a role and they've all kind of excelled under Jack Del Rio. And I think that's a testament to him as a talent evaluator, being able to understand what his players' strengths are and sort of playing to that as a play caller on defense. Yeah, you know, the front office has had an exceptional offseason with all the other people that we've mentioned. Uh, It also should be mentioned, it looks like they've got the left guard of the future sitting over there too. Schweitzer's been great. Schweitzer's been awesome, signed to three years, and is kind of under the radar. I mean, I, I didn't even actually know that. when I, I had to look it up a few weeks ago. I thought he had a one-year deal, but he's still pretty young, too. Um, but, but, yeah, he's been, he's been terrific. And that's, that's a guy you, you know you have, and hopefully they can re-sign their center and their right guard and, and go from there and really focus on left tackle in the draft. But, yeah, I've, I've been so impressed by, by him. I think he's maybe had one bad game. Uh, which is which is surprising because this is his first year in the system. It's hard to make that transition and not get the not not get a full off season, and not be familiar with the scheme or anything like that. But I mean, hats off. And if you look at free agency in general, I mean, they've hit on pretty much everyone. That, from talking about like Logan Thomas and JD McKissick, and even like some unsung guys like like uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis has been fine. I mean, they they've really just crushed it. I, I've been pleasantly surprised because it's hard with free agency, but I also think part of that is like the team was so deplenished of, of talent that it's a lot easier to fill those holes when you don't have a good talented team to start with. But I mean, they're, they're getting really good production for cheap. Like you look at Logan Thomas, I know people don't like him that much, um, but he, he has like the 40, 40th most expensive contract in the league. And he's playing like a tight end too, you know, as far as like top 24 tight ends, he's, he hasn't been bad or anything, 
Uh, they're, they're getting their money's worth out of pretty much all of these guys. And most of their draft picks from 2020 are contributing right away, which is also a positive. It feels like it's been a long time since Washington has had players that other teams covet. And I suggest that we have at least five, maybe six of those players on the team right now that you really feel comfortable about building around. Cam Curl has been a revelation. I've been begging for Jeremy Reeves for two seasons now. He had a good game on Thanksgiving. He did. I mean, it's something you can build on, and maybe he'll get a chance to start again or play significant snaps. I don't think there's any reason that Apke needs to get a full allotment of snaps ever again. I mean, I know they don't have depth, but at this point, it's just like you can make a – entire highlight reel of him just like missing tackles and missing coverages and yeah. games. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but yeah, Reeves is a, is a he's a nice athlete too, but I, I really would like to see them uh, address the position. It's probably going to be a free agency. There's guys like uh, Justin Simmons who's available and, and uh, Harris over on the Vikings, but the draft class isn't very good. Uh, I think there's only maybe one safety projected to go in the first round right now. So it's a hard position to address if you're looking for more than just a box safety. Um, but maybe they could kind of kill two birds in one stone by moving Landon Collins to linebacker, and then th that could pave the way for another safety to maybe emerge and they can sign someone like Simmons or, I don't know, a free safety who can actually cover and not get blown up every time he takes the field. Yeah, I actually think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Collins because of Cam Curl playing so well. I, I like the idea of moving him to linebacker. I don't know if that's something they'll think. Yeah, about. yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll have we'll have to see. I just I don't think Collins is a good free safety at all. I, I think he's only good in the box. He really struggles in coverage. I mean, he had he had one interception all year. It was a it was a play where Kyler Murray just gift wrapped it to him. I mean, he's so much better in the box, but. I thought that was a terrible signing at the time, and it's kind of – boy, it seems like a waste. But uh, I, I guess, like, he's a big name, and people, like, know who he is because he was a first-round draft pick. But that was definitely a whiff on their part. Nate, are you excited about a uh, 5 o'clock kickoff on Monday? Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. It's kind of like a, a Thanksgiving slate, right, where you have three games – so I bet there's going to be there's going to be a lot of betting action going on and a lot of people with fantasy matchups that they have to win to get into the playoffs. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, Pittsburgh is such a hard matchup for us because they're so balanced. Uh, they they rank seventh in the league in uh, red zone touchdown scoring, and they also that's on offense and on defense they rank seventh in the league on red zone scoring like giving it up basically so they're really efficient when they get in the red zone and they're really efficient defending the red zone um so that's gonna be something to watch for um they their receiving core is just ridiculous i mean they're so good that there's no chance they keep juju in the offseason they don't even care i mean yeah. they're gonna move on from a receiver because they they find a new one every year and they just continue to emerge and I don't even think Claypool is the best receiver on their team. I think it's actually Deontay Johnson. But, I mean, it's just – it's insane how good they are. But I really do think Big Ben is kind of the guy who stirs the pot. Um, he's not having a great year or anything. That's why I don't – I can't see them beating the Chiefs or anything. But it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, you can't have any turnovers on offense. And on defense, you're just going to have to do what you can to stop uh, yards after the catch. 
that's what's going to be big. But I think they'll be up to the task. I just – I don't see them winning this game. Yeah, it'll be a tough one. I'm, I find it hard to see myself. Now, the one thing, uh, Washington is also defensively in the top ten in red zone stops. Is that right? Because they, they've been good defending yeah. the red zone, if I'm not mistaken. They've been uh, first in the league defending the red zone since like week eight. I be- since Alex Smith kind of took over against yeah. the Giants, they they have the best red zone defense in the league. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that, like, a, lot, a lot of like red zone defense, it's like all about trips to the red zone. Obviously, you know, the less trips you have, the better. Um, but there is something to be said for being able to hold teams to field goals, and they've done a good job at that. I think. Jack Del Rio, he, when you have a veteran coach like him, he knows when to dial it up, and he always seems to uh, come up with a unique like blitz every once in a while, an exotic blitz, and it seems to always hit home in the red zone. So they're going to have to continue to do that. Uh, Ben's someone who will hold on to the ball, and he'll throw some stupid passes every now and then. I mean, he's excellent. I actually think uh, Haskins is kind of a similar type of thrower to Ben Roethlisberger. I just wish he'd have better uh, pocket awareness, but – Roethlisberger will throw it up every once in a while. He'll take sacks, and he's not mobile like he used to be. So I think they can get to him. It's just a matter of slowing down these awesome receivers they have. All right, Nate. We'll enjoy the game on Monday, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, sir. You have a good one. All right.